Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Altitude's undefeated. Crap, we will punch it up, whatever it was in. Not a huge fan of it, I don't know where I was going. I always think I'm running and starting to talk to someone. I don't know what I was doing. I tell you what, Hello, Colorado Rapids fans. You are listening to Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red. My name is Matt Pollard. It is the final day of January 2024. Happy Black History Month, America. HTHL is officially six years old. The African Cup of Nations has told MLS to hold its jollof rice as it goes full chaos mode. A profound human being is living is leaving Liverpool and the Rapids will officially be hosting the first ever Marcelo Balboa Clasico, Marcelo Balboa Derby, Derby in League's Cup. I'm joined now by a man who has a loan with an option to buy, Rabbi Mark Goodman. That is, those are those are sweet, sweet words to Porek Smith's ears. If you can figure out how to do a loan, the man, the man has an apartment on a loan with an option to buy. Like he is, <laughs> he, is he doesn't believe in 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 uh, in renting or owning loaning with an option to buy is the way he does things how's everything going matt it's good mark uh it is crazy busy here with work and everything in the weather other than that one weekend um being absolutely fantastic here on the front side for things like drilling into concrete and pouring concrete as long as you're staying above the you know the um top five feet of soil so work's been super crazy but it's great that we finally have some powder out there on the mountains we need it to prevent drought conditions and for environmental and um horticulture purposes uh we need it for people like me who certainly want to go skiing so it's a really good january and mark we are just by the time most of you are listening to us it will be february 1st so we're mark we're what 23 24 days out mark i will comfortably say we are three and a half weeks out from the start of the 2024 colorado rapid season uh the soft season has been a busy one you know there was the there's the maybe the month immediately after the season ended where it was like, thank God that's over. But it has just been from the Chris Armas news breaking mark. You know, there was a break for Christmas and New Year's, but it's been news, 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 signing, signing, signings. Uh, I'm exhausted. And Mark, we haven't even had a game yet. We haven't had a snow classico yet. We haven't had uh, a rain delay yet. Uh, how is how's the book tour going, Rabbi? Oh, it started off swimmingly with a delay for weather, and uh, so now we've moved it to March, and I have actually two dates on the same week, so that should be good. I'll be in D.C. and in uh, White Plains, New York, which will be pretty cool. Uh, And then I got plans to go to Houston, and I'm trying to make something happen in Colorado and maybe L.A., but probably not, and so we'll see. Uh, You know, they're basically like places I was going anyways, and maybe I know someone who will pull a thing together at a synagogue that's that's the plan right now but uh 
yeah, everything's going pretty good here. Uh, you know, uh, the the weather's been crazy in Pittsburgh. It's been just constant rain and snow for like a week, and the Ohio River swallowed uh, uh, part of uh, the low lying part of the city in four feet of uh, uh, overflow. So that that was the that the the interesting meteor meteorological news here uh in pittsburgh and other than that i had to do a funeral up in erie on on monday so i i've been uh i've been busy and i picked up uh last week was a jewish holiday on thursday it was uh jewish arbor day the new year for the trees we had a special event for preschoolers and of course when you're a middle-aged man and you're around a whole bunch of grubby snotty preschoolers uh for a program they're going to give you a cold. So I'm just recovering from a cold that I uh, certainly uh, am going to blame on um, small children because, and God bless preschool teachers, how they survive an entire winter without just being schwacked by um, illness nonstop. I will never know. I should point out listeners, for those of you who are worried, given the weather that rabbi has undergone, not to reveal which neighborhood you are in rabbi, but you do, relative to the Ohio River and then four feet of elevation above that, you certainly have the high ground. So you were Obi-Wan Kenobi rather than Anakin Skywalker in the Oh, yeah. No, there's there's uh, we are uh, Squirrel Hill is a hill and it is the top of the hill. And it's I it's like I think like one of the two highest neighborhoods in all of Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh is really hilly, uh, really like um, the the whole idea that they settled this place like in the 1700s. It makes no sense. Like this is the kind of city where y- you would you would not want to put anything here. If it weren't on the confluence of three rivers, nobody would have ever built a city here. Um, but yes, I never have to worry. And my basement fills with water when we have big flooding and it drains right back out immediately. So it's good times. Fittingly, Rabbi, you are, despite living in Pittsburgh now for what? We're going on, what, five, six years, I think? You are literally holding the high line in, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mark, I hold the high line. I wanted to wait to talk to you about this, Rabbi, even though it is not rapid specific. I think it's certainly relevant and prominent in the front of world football. Uh, this time last week, Jurgen Klopp put out a statement through the social channels at Liverpool Football Club saying that he is leaving the club after, what, I think it's nine years that he's been in charge, was part of the rebuild, Mark, and prominence back to winning their first Premier League title in um well it, there would have been the one in the 90s i think when i was a baby and this that might have been prior to the start of the premier league one champions league a couple of years ago as well a couple of other cup competitions um and manchester city uh inevitability notwithstanding they are within a shout of a quadruple and have a chance to do something special on a high and this couple's kind of marked with i think a lot of serious questions about mohammed salah's future as there you know if there was one big player to go and really and to be okay living in Saudi Arabia and living in the Middle East and want to see that as a cause that was worth building up and everything uh I think Mohamed Salah would be similar to Marcella Balboa leaving Club Leon to come to Colorado to start Colorado Rapids Mohamed Salah to Saudi Arabia or somewhere else in the Middle East and I think it's a valid question of um what future Liverpool has and given the prominence that club has socially in um, English football and in the Premier League to say nothing of certainly the style of play and what they have meant on the pitch in the modern era, in the Klopp era of the Premier League. I think it's a valid question of where they go from here. Mark, what are you going to miss about Jurgen Klopp? Or are you just happy that now it's just Man City standing in Arsenal's way? 
Uh, I mean, Jurgen Klopp's attitude at the end of a match and his classiness. There isn't another manager in the Premier League who is as much like Ted Lasso as Jurgen Klopp is. He's um, He just seems joyful about the job of being involved in professional soccer. He seems to have perspective, which I think is pretty rare amongst coaches. He is the anti-Jose Mourinho. Uh, Mourinho has no perspective whatsoever. Mourinho is the kind of guy who would say something like, you know, football isn't isn't life and death. It's more important than that. You know, like one of those ridiculous, you know, statements. And it's why nobody wants to hang out with Jose Mourinho um, on their free time. And, and Jurgen Klopp is just enjoyable. The other thing is he's clearly a genius. Um, you know, there are very few managers who you can say they have a style that everybody attributes not only that they, I wouldn't say he didn't invent the gegenpress, but he probably perfected it. And when you think of counterpressing, when you think of gegenpressing, Jurgen Klopp's name will come up first. Um, that is a remarkable thing to, to have a good attitude, a good reputation, a career of winning, the ability to say you could have this job forever and no one will knock you off of it. I mean, the only comparison at this point is Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, in terms of uh, managers who had and kind of an infinite um, seat at the table if they wanted it. That's not true entirely. I mean, even Bill Belichick gets fired, right? Like, you're never going to be anywhere forever. And we don't live in the era where managers can can just go on forever. But I think you're going to think Mark, I... is is exceptional. I, I, I think Pep Guardiola is at Manchester City as long as he wants to be. And I, I think the uh... only thing... I think the only thing that would genuinely tear him away from that would be like a prime a prime generation to go and try and win silverware with Spain with the Spanish national team. But even then, I think to your point, Rabbi, I think there there's going to be a lot of parallels between Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp. Um, uh, to you know, in the final months of this European season, as potentially they could run into each other in Champions League. Certainly, they'll be competing against each other in the Premiership, and I think just the to your point, Mark, about the duality between Klopp and Mourinho, I think there's there's so many similarities between Klopp and Pep. There's so many similarities between what they've both done at their respective clubs, obviously maybe with different problem statements or different ownership situations. Don't have time for that whole rabbit hole. But I just say a deeply profound human being who is composed and the Jurgen Klopp speaks to, I think, the soul of football and like gets down to the core from a human being standpoint, to your point, Rabbi, on levels that would parallel Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso would stand there at the podium after a very difficult match and everything and be asked about the team's failures. And, you know, he would say that, you know, I, I hope when I get up to the pearly gates and I'm sitting there in front of God and Jesus Christ himself, that they don't ask me how much I won at Wichita State or at AFC Richmond. They ask, were you kind? Did you try to be good? Do you, were you trying to be better? And in the ways that, um, you know, that uh, Jason Sudeikis does that with his Midwestern accents and the caricature of Ted Lasso, Jurgen Klopp is the German grandfather version of that. And he will be missed. His humanity will be missed. Um, if Liverpool do not get as good of a manager or not playing the same style of just intense and extremely entertaining football as well, then I think Liverpool will be le will be worse off and just thus the Premiership will be worse off, albeit with maybe to the advantage of Manchester City having an easier way 
to winning the various trophies they want to win. And maybe now, Mark, this is finally the opportunity to where if City is caught up on cup competitions or repeating in Champions League or something else to where Manchester City on an off year was the opportunity for Liverpool to win the Premiership. Do we now then say that about Mikel Arteta's Arsenal or eventually, definitely not this year, probably not next year, but in the years to come, the inevitability of Newcastle and the money that they have, regardless of whether or not they get, um, you know, 115 plus N um, number of uh, financial regularities with all of the oil money. There were words there, but I'm not sure what the question was. What was the question? Oh, there, there wasn't a question there, Mark. I oh, was good. just saying things. I was, okay. it, was in, it was an interesting statement, and I was like, I think he's asking me something, but I, he wasn't. Okay, you're good. Uh, Mark, shall we move on to Rapids things? I mean, we could talk premiership all day long. I got to my, you know, there's nothing better in my life than an Arsenal game on my day off, which is Tuesday, and Arsenal won yesterday, although it was kind of a boring game. Let's talk about the Rapids. Okay, uh, listeners, earlier this evening, uh, myself, Matt Pollard from Burgundy Wave, as well as DNVR Rapids, uh, both reported that the Colorado Rapids are close to finalizing a loan deal with Lamine Diak. That's how I've been told that his name is pronounced. This is the number six that reportedly the Rapids have been chasing down for a couple of weeks now. He is 23 years old. He's originally from Senegal. Mark, we like Senegalese paper players here at the Colorado Rapids, remembering Dominic Baji. Um, and he was playing in Turkey for MKE Ankagur Ankaraguku. <laughs> um, and so uh, reportedly, uh, so he was on loan uh, with FC Nantes. Listeners will remember that as that was the French club that Alejandro Bedoya was at for several years prior to going to Philadelphia Union. And so Diak was at uh nonce on loan with an option to buy and then so reportedly this isn't me reporting this is other people um tom bogart and then Lakeep in france uh were reporting that there was a purchase option and that nonce has exercised that purchase option and now the part where we come in mark is that the colorado rapids uh have acquired him on loan it is a six-month loan with an option to buy and then reportedly the valuation and it's not clear um from Lakeep's reporting, or at least my understanding of Google Translate, whether or not the $2.7 million evaluation was Lakeep putting that on, that's what Nantes is offering, that's what Nantes has paid the Turkish club, or that's what Nantes wants from the Rapids, or is it the exact same because Nantes is trying to do some roster financial stuff in order to set themselves up better financially in the summer, should Lamine Diak join the Rapids uh, full-time? Six-foot-one, Really impressive player in terms of closing closing that closing speed. Mark, no question. It is him or Jasper Loffelson who will be the ball winner next to Connor Ronan in the 4-2-3-1-4-3-3. The Chris Thomas is looking to deploy. Uh, he will not be a U-22 player. He is already 23 years old. He will take up an international roster slot. Um, and there's a possibility, Mark, depending on what that figure is, I have heard on the transfer fee in the summer to where he would become a TAM player in the summer as a permanent Rapids player. Uh, there's still the ITC, the P1 visa, and then a medical state side that do need to happen in order for all of this to occur. Mark, you will remember that the um, uh, Rafael Navajo uh, was ultimately out, was unavailable for Leagues Cup last year because of how long this process took. So I think if things go quickly... On the quicker end of the spectrum, listeners, there's a possibility he joins the team at some point in the Florida, the Orlando, Florida 
part of the MLS preseason. I have to imagine, worst case scenario, he is stateside in Portland and available for selection for February 24th at Portland Timbers. Uh, Is that him literally landing the day of the game from an international flight that was rerouted in order for him to be available on the bench? Who knows? Mark, um, what have you seen from this guy from the highlight reels you have looked at? Have you played with him on FIFA or football manager? (laughs) Do you know anything about this guy? Or is the fun part the fact that he's a complete unknown in MLS? He's a pretty big unknown. I mean, I don't, I don't have any. Even if I had played with him on FIFA, I wouldn't necessarily. Uh, uh, FC 2024, I wouldn't admit it. No, I'm actually saving up my pennies to buy a new PlayStation 5 so I can go out and buy that. So um, I'm really interested in this move. Uh, I think um, DNVR has been reporting this and is very excited. Uh, and the way they've been pitching it today is something like, he's the final piece. He's the, he's the missing number six that we're all looking for. Um, he actually to me, strikes me as uh, a piece that is off in the distance. That is something that you um, kind of check in on and you see how they play this year, loan with an option to buy, um, and you hope that they settle in and consider buying um, for something down the road, but that this year um, he's really just kind of like a maybe kind of piece. Um, I say that for a couple reasons. Number one, because I don't really know his game. Number two, because it takes a while to adjust to Major League Soccer. Um, and from he, he's from far away, uh, and he's young. And so I'm a little concerned about adjustment. Uh, most players his age who have not played in Major League Soccer take a while to adjust. Um, the last reason for that is I'm fairly confident in the players the Rapids already have on the roster that they had their kind of starting 11 pretty much set. Um, and Diak coming in is going to be an option there, but not necessarily a major solution. Uh, the most interesting thing to me right off the bat is figuring out um, what the 30-man roster is going to look like, because um, right now he looks like he'd be the 30th or 31st player, that's, depending on how you count things. Yeah, so, that's, that's correct, Mark, as I wrote in my rundown for when Remy Cabral signed last week there is a there's some ambiguity there's some lack of clarity in amos roster rules about whether or not a player being sent out on loan outside of mls still counts against the roster or is that a function of how much of their salary has to get picked up by the team that by the loaned team in order for his salary to come off the books so there is for me mark right now based on that an asterisk on Remy Cabral, and we'll get to in a minute on Miguel Navarro. But I would I would agree with DNVR's take on it, and that I think this is the last big piece. I don't think there's any other big acquisitions on the list of when Chris Armas sat down with Porrick Smith, Wayne Brand, and Josh Kroenke and had coffee, and they talked about the what they wanted in terms of player signings from this offseason. I think every single I think every single position is crossed off the list at this point i think there'll be a few outgoings we'll get to that in a minute and i think there's a big opportunity to sign somebody probably domestically they won't shy away from that but from this standpoint like the the bulk of the christmas shopping is done horik has gone has gone to walmart he's gone to best buy he's gone to toys r us and the presents are wrapped under the tree yeah no the the lone move for Nigel navarro is the move that um pretty much opens up a, a spot but that still means that there's some there's not a lot of wiggle room left in this roster. So it's a, it's an interesting move. Um, but I, like I said, I, I don't I don't really count on this guy um, being a put him in ink starter as our 
um, number six. I also think, you know, we're all going to see what his game looks like. Um, you know, the other reason that I, I'm not super high on him um, and putting a lot of pressure on him is the idea that, you know, he was the property of a Turkish club who was loaned to non and he hasn't gotten a ton of minutes. Um, he's young and he's kind of bounced around. And if he were a real hot property, he probably would have stuck. So, you know, water finds its level. Hopefully the rapids are the right level for him. It's possible that he's just a, a piece that, you know, we're taking a flyer on and we'll see how it pull, works out. And to that point, Mark, uh, did you see the the club tweeted out a nice video on uh, Jasper Loffelson earlier today? Did you see I that, did. Rabbi? Break it, breaking ankles made me happy. Yeah, so uh, listeners, check this out. The club's posted on most of their socials, I'm pretty sure. they. I saw it on Twitter. But so um, they had a nice video. Uh, Jasper Loffelson is, uh, they're hanging around. It was a low point in training. And then so Jasper realizes that the camera's on him. And then so he points to the camera and he says, show that tackle as Ollie LaRoz is walking by. And then they cut to a video of Ollie LaRoz dribbling forward and Jasper Loffelson just full Jeff Lorenowitz, Michael Azira, chef's kiss mark or, or chef's thug life of just stand up tackle, wins the ball, Ollie goes flying out of the way, Jasper Loffelson completely unperturbed, wins the ball, passes it to the guy next to them, and then they go on a counterattack. And then they showed some other highlight reels as well, Mark. I have heard that Jasper is doing very, very well, Rabbi, in preseason. Um, and I did even hear that he crushed it in one of the fitness tests and was competing with Sebastian Anderson and with Cole Bassett on this one. And I'm not sure when that occurred, Mark. I'm not sure when Jasper joined the team in Mexico, given that he was in Germany getting his green card. He will be a domestic player for this year, folks. But if we're talking about potentially, Mark, he was in Germany training on his own, maybe running on the treadmill. I don't know what the weather was like in, you know, a couple weeks ago. And then he comes to Mexico. The rest of the team was training in Colorado at altitude, comes to Carretero at altitude. Germany, I have to assume, Mark, unless he was hiking in the Alps, he was much lower in elevation than both of those two locations, and he crushes it from a fitness standpoint, and he's doing well tactically, and he's studs-upping, not studs-upping, but he's he's giving Ollie LaRoz what for and everything. I'm not super worried about the holding midfielder position. Mark, at, at the very least, the Chris Armas has several options to go there that could provide something slightly different, and Lamine Diak is part of that menu of options in ways to where really clearly, you know, Jordi Mihailovic is the special at left midfielder, very clearly. Uh, Andreas Maxu and Moise Bambito are the combo at center back. And so in terms of picking which one of his uh, number sixes is going to be the side, um, I guess right now we could be going with um, we could be going with some German liverwurst as opposed to some Jollof rice if we're continuing this analogy. Um, and Marcus, does this make Ralph Preso the poutine in this analogy? I guess. Wow, that's that's a lot. There's a lot of food analogies flying around with soccer right I now. I haven't. We're recording earlier than when we usually do, listeners. I let Mark know that we could record so Matt's earlier. Hungry. That's what's if, going on. Yes, if we wanted to. Normally, we are standard 8 p.m. Mountain Time whenever we are podcasting. <clears throat> I should point out, uh, listeners, that Rabbi is very good, despite now being a an East Coast elitist, that uh, in all of our conversations, we talk, when we mention times, we talk in Mountain Time. I've Obviously. had this issue. It's a Rapids podcast, Matt. Okay, but I, I, um, anyone who knows a lot of East Coasters or people from the East Coast or does work with offices that are based on the East Coast, people who are in the Eastern time zone notoriously just say the time without mentioning anybody, else, without mentioning 
what time it is in terms of which time zone. And then you have to ask, okay, you were just assuming that everyone thinks on your time rather than doing me the courtesy because we have to do time conversion for you, but you don't do time conversion for every for anybody else. I have multiple friends from college, Mark, who forget about the mountain time zone who have called me when we've agreed upon the time and they've assumed that Colorado was specific. And also there's Twitter admins who've posted out social things who geographically don't understand the West Coast either. Mark, other preseason things that I think we do want to note. I don't know if you saw, Rabbi, the, the cultural aspect of, I think, of what the club is doing and how much of this is PR spin, I'm not entirely sure on because, uh, listeners, we have not gotten to see the two preseason games that the Rapids have played so far in preseason. There's obviously no local media who are down there covering it. So everything that we are seeing is through the lens of what the club decides to release or post out. And in that, there's the valid question of whether or not we get the curated version of the truth. But, Mark, there was a nice after the preseason friendly against Caretaro on Monday. Um, Emilio Gonzalez, who's on the comms team, uh, posted out a thing about culture, and it was the locker room that they were staying in for that game that was very, very clean other than some piled-up Domino's pizza boxes that I assume they were allowed to have because they needed some carbs after that 5-2 win over Caretaro. And so there's maybe some Japan energy, Mark, in terms of the, like, we clean up after ourselves, and that is a team bonding activity. That is a we care and respect the space that we are in, and then in doing so, we respect other things around us and are just a respectful relationship, uh, random acts of kindness-driven organization um, that I thought was kind of interesting. I should point out also, Rabbi, from the two preseason games that we've seen from a personnel standpoint, there's not a whole lot of big absences, and I have not heard of any significant injuries that any players are going through. So automatically, the team is already way healthier than it has been the last two preseasons, which is a positive note. Rabbi, let's come on to that 5-1 win over Caretro. I, of course, need to pull up the show notes that I have on that. So it was a 5-1 win over um, the Liga MX side listeners, the starting 11 was Colbasset with Bambito, Jonathan Lewis, Jasper Loffelsund, Andreas Maxo, Jordi Mihailovic, Rafael Navajo, Connor Ronan, Keegan Rosenberry with the captain's armband. So uh, Mr. Rapid, Captain Keegan, uh, Zach Steffen, and then Sam Vines. So Sam Vines getting in on the action mark now that he's down in Mexico. Jasper Loffelsund as well. Um, and maybe the only question that you have there from the starting 11 standpoint would be Jonathan Lewis, who I would assume be replaced by Omir Fernandez. And then maybe Asper Lovelson for uh, Lamine Diak, who obviously, Mark, um, I, I would not anticipate him being available for the third. He won't be joining the team in Mexico, is my understanding. But mostly a first choice 11 that you would want from that. You had goals from Cole Bassett set up on a rebound created by Jordi Mihailovic. Brian Galvan scored a nice little bender from his favorite spot on the goalkeeper's left side of the box mark. We've seen that goal plenty of times at the south stand with us getting the perfect angle from the TV cameras and from the press box. Kamani Stewart-Baines, uh, the rookie out of Maryland, set up Calvin Harris for his first goal. And then Darren Yappi scored as well after Carrethero scored. Uh, this game, listeners, was a uh, game of four 25-minute quarters. So they played a full 100 minutes rather than just the 90 in two halves or in three periods as we've seen in preseason pass, and it was uh, Ralph Priso setting up Calvin Harris for a brace. Um, Mark, the Rapids have played now two preseason friendlies. Uh, they've won one in spectacular fashion. They lost one, albeit with some uh, a jumbled up lineup and then maybe getting used to 
altitude and everything. We don't have a lot of information on the lineups that either um, the Mexican second division team, whose name I can't even remember, what they trotted out late last week, nor the lineups for Corretero on Monday. And uh, I should point out also, Mark, unlike last year, where at the very least we got every single goal that the Rapids scored in Mexico in preseason, we've been limited to just this 10-second clip of the Brian Galvan goal. Mark, what, if anything, can you make of these two preseason games? Are you going to come back and say, God, I wish we could be able to see them. I can't talk about this. Uh, well, it's, it's nice. Uh, it's nice to win soccer games, but, you know, preseason, it's so hard to tell anything because, you know, for the last two seasons, the team has just shown us highlight goals. So we don't really know how the buildup works. We don't really know, um, what we were seeing in terms of who Caretero was starting against them. So we don't know the quality of how good these guys were or what Caretero was going for. Um, maybe they were just working on, you know, maybe they were going with their, you know, youth team. Maybe they were working on defense. Maybe they were working on offense and they got behind. It's really hard to tell what's going on with this. So, um, but I don't want to rain on everybody's parade. I don't want to be the turd in the punch bowl. Uh, five to one is a good way to win a game and we should be excited about that. And I think the other thing that a few folks were excited on on the socials was, uh, uh, Darren Yappi getting a goal after a whole year of not getting goals last year. Um, I'm uh, gonna like let Darren Yappi be Darren Yappi. Uh, you know, I I would love to see him score three goals this year, but uh, I have no pressure on him. I'm not expecting him to develop into a frontline attacker or even a super sub in the 80th minute for this team. He's just a young guy who we're hoping to get some minutes out of. Um, and it's nice that he should have a preseason goal against Caratero. But, um, you know, my son uh, used to get all excited and used to mention about all the goals, about the times that he scored goals, in pra- scored goals in practice. And I would kind of nod and smile and say, Iggy, your career record in goals in uh, in actual matches is still one from when you were five years old. So uh, we're... <laughs> Where I mean, granted, he's a defender. So, but last year he got some. He got he played about a half of a game at left wing, and so, uh, you know, he he actually put one I think off the post. He got pretty close last year, so we'll see. I'm looking up, Mark. Uh, how many MLS goals did Michael Azira score? I'm I think wondering. It's three. I feel like it's three. I got one on his stats card one. right now, but that is that I is believe that. regular season game. So TBD on Open Cup. This would he had a couple been. USL goals too. So okay, yeah, to um, yeah, he did score. He did score a few times, multiple times for New Mexico. Uh, the one goal that they have on his stat sheet on MLSsoccer.com is with uh, uh, it would have been Montreal Impact now CF Montreal in 2018. No goals for the. Colorado Rapids here Mark he does have he did have three assists for the Rapids one in 2016 and two in 2017 so uh, Mark as the as the Rapids blogger who editorialed the Darren Yappi hype train into existence I am not to your point I don't want to be the turd in the punch bowl but I do want to say let's pump the brakes like the you can have that moment of joy and everything but also I should point out listeners 
Darren Yappi was playing regular minutes in preseason last year while the team was working on their striker situation. And he scored against Garetaro in Garetaro last year as well. And we all got excited and everything. So I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to be a hater here on the people who want to have that joy and everything. I'm just saying that I am withholding that level of excitement that I want to have and the belief in Darren Yaffe as a player. I am withholding that until we see him score a goal in MLS. Uh, when he scores a hat trick and we win 3-0 at Portland Timbers on February 24th, you can ask me again and I'll say you were all right. I was a Grinch. I apologize to Darren Yaffe and to all of you. Um, I do want to mention, Mark, to your point about just the frustration we have I understand that the Rapids can't be what Inter-Miami is in preseason in terms of all the games being produced at a high quality for um, MLS season pass on Apple TV. But we've seen other clubs put out more stuff on their socials, on their website, on their YouTube channel, on their websites. Uh, I don't know if you saw, Rabbi, but the all of the games that LA Galaxy will be playing at home, they're staying local for preseason. Uh, they'll be live streaming that on LAGalaxy.com. So I do think it is a fair criticism to the club to say that the excuse of, oh, it's Apple TV, like we can't just because Apple TV has to decide whether or not to show it. And if they don't show it, then we can't do anything about it. There are clearly other MLS teams that are getting around or coming to an agreement on whatever legal geo blocking restrictions there may be on preseason games. I understand that logistically, like taking down, like, you know, creating a crew that's putting together and doing something when one of these friendlies is probably just on a practice pitch with no infrastructure around it in Mexico is understandable. But, you know, Mark, there was um, the friendly against Orlando in Orlando last year was supposed to be at Exploria Stadium. It got moved. I don't remember what the reason for it was. But if that game's in the stadium, like Orlando City should use that as a test run for them doing a broadcast probably at the stadium and if it's on the website it should be co-broadcast on coloradorapids.com or can it not be something that at least they throw on even if they don't promote it heavily on mls season pass and so that's something that i think is a fair criticism and frustration it's frustrating for me as media that i have to try and write a recap it's basically just me restating all the things that the club posted in their game recap without plagiarizing it that's frustrating it for us but also mark i think it's the this is the kind of stuff where fans are on social media and they're like well where's the four minute highlight reel where's the um you know where's the anything that we can get on this and the fact that all we've gotten is 10 seconds of albeit a really nice goal by brian galvan is frustrating and i think the fact that you see all of this feedback i think is clear evidence that this is another area in which the club is coming up short on its fan base, so the fans deserve better in this regard. I understand that there's logistical and legal complexities and everything, but if they're playing that game against Orlando or any of the other MLS opposition in or Hartford at Exploria Stadium rather than on just a practice field in Orlando, like can we get just can we get the crappiest live feed with the um, AI camera that just follows the ball really crappily like MLS Next Pro in their first year? That's all I'm asking for, and I think that's a reasonable ask. And I think that's something that other MLS teams would do, and I think it would behoove the club to do so. Mark, let's uh, let's talk about uh, let, Mark, Rabbi. Do some plugs, and then let's talk about some departures, player news, and potential future player news. Yeah, thanks, man, uh, folks. If you want to help support holding the high line, both our Substack and our podcast are supported by you, the listeners. Also, Believe Believe is our new sponsor. You probably heard an ad hit at the top. Um, we were really great, grateful to Believe for um, uh, being our hosters and our 
people who do the ad stuff. So that's cool. And we're excited about that. Um, we've got some swag coming up. Uh, we've got a really great workout shirt for our fans. I'm thinking of doing them in two different colors, um, a, uh, a, a colored one and a camo printed one. Uh, I haven't quite figured that out yet, but it'll have the holding a Highline graphic on the front. It'll be available exclusively to all our supporting Highliners. Um, supporting Highliners are po- folks who pitch in 42 bucks a year or $5 a month, whichever you choose. It gives you access to a couple of additional extra um, behind a paywall articles or um, sponsored content like uh, uh, raw audio from interviews that we've never released to the public. Um, and those are some things that we'd love to uh, give you. Uh, if you'd like to sign up, you can join by signing up on our Substack. Uh, you'd also uh, might be interested in just reading what we have on our Substack, and that means you could get a free subscription um, and just get that dropped into your mailbox each and every week. Uh, in order to do that, you just go to holdingthehighline.substack.com um, or just go to Substack and search Colorado Rapids and you'll find us. Um, but, uh, we'd love to have you supporting Highliner and that swag. The deal guys is folks, uh, if you, um, pitch in your $42 before the season kicks off, uh, at the end of February, you will get that merch. Um, and then the price is going to go up. We're going to jack that price up by six bucks for the coming year. So you only have about one more month to get in on the ground level at a discounted rate for, um, our special, uh, swag and merch drop, which goes out to all our people. Uh, that's about it for me. Uh, we really love all of our highliners and our supporters, and we appreciate what you do for us. It allows us to make some, uh, uh, get get the money to take the the gas to drive out to uh the stadium and and cover the team. Uh, it gives me the opportunity to fly out to a game maybe once a year. Uh, pays for all the ink and the quills that I go through in my writing and all that other good stuff. So hit us up and help us out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, Mark, uh, let's talk some player news. It's maybe a little bit dated, but it's something we can talk on. First of all, um, it is official now that Miguel Navarro is on loan to Tayetis, first division team in Argentina. It is for the full 2024 calendar year, so uh, MLS season, Not don't have to think about when South American clubs play, and there is an option to buy on that. Not super surprised on this mark, given that Miguel clearly wants to be playing regularly and wants to be fit to try and be the starting left back for Venezuela at Copa America, which will be based here in the United States. Mark, do we care since who cares because the Rapids got Sam Vines back, or... Is this a fun way to look at some Rapids math of the fact that if you think about, if you Rapids math the Andrew Gutman trade, you could argue that they got Miguel Navarro for free. And then now this is Porek, you know, shuffling things around in order to get a few more bucks out of a player who didn't even have to pay, play or get paid by the Rapids. I don't really understand. I mean, my, my, my take is neither of those. It was, it was, uh, 
that Miguel Navarro was going to be the left back and then they made the deal for Sam Vines and they were like, well, now we don't know what to do with Miguel Navarro, but this isn't, he's not our best option here. So we should move him along to someplace where he's going to play. But I think it's a weird, it's a little bit of a weird move. Um, it might also just be that uh, they needed to make space on the roster and he was the most obvious um, person. But I, I am a little, a little confused by it. I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe there's some, math to it too like you said well so a few things here mark we've seen that jackson travis has gotten some time in the two preseason friendlies in mexico so is this the on the long list of players who are homegrowns or young players who've been with rapids two the last two years this is finally his opportunity to make it into and have some relevancy with the first team now sebastian Baderser is gone with the club and i did hear this is a few years ago sebastian anderson was at, at one point in his time at the club, considered ambidextrous in that he could play both right back and left back. And while we like what Sebi did towards the end of last year, um, I think Keegan becoming captain, I think, speaks to where Chris Armas certainly values him. And you're not going to bench your captain for a 21-year-old unless he's absolutely crushing it. So is this a possibility where, first of all, I think it's very easily we could see Sam Vines 90 minutes for 34 regular season games this year. That is absolutely a possibility. But if you like either of those two young options, and they're both domestic, they're both have connections to Colorado and everything, and clearly from a monetary standpoint, a Venezuelan international certainly has appeal to where then you could, I could see where it makes sense for all parties, and it also makes sense from a money standpoint, and this was just a function of Sam Vines becoming available after they decided, well, if Andrew Gutman's leaving and clearly going to go back to Chicago, let's get the most that we can out of him, and if we can get somebody who right now is a viable option at left back, then so be it. Uh, Mark, the one thing that I will say, um, I think Sam Vines coming back to Colorado is big. I don't know that it will be as big as what Diego Rubio meant to the club as the main key attacker. So here's where I'm going with this, Rabbi. I think we can argue that Kellen Rowe, who was acquired from New England and then sent to Sporting Kansas City and then went to Seattle, who was a Rapids player on paper for like five or six hours, I would argue Kellen Rowe is more of a Rapids legend than Miguel Navarro is a Rapids legend, given the, I think, relatively equal um, valuations you would put on Andrew Gutman and Sam Bynes, Sam Bynes having more of a sentimental value. But Mark, I look forward to, at some point, I'm going to turn this into a pub trivia question where the answers, both options, would be Miguel Navarro or Kellen Rowe, um, in addition to Kai Kamara being an FC Cincinnati legend for 30 seconds there when Jeff Birding said that they were picking him up in the expansion draft and then immediately trading him for an international roster slot. Uh, Mark, uh, reports out of, let me quote this guy because I want to give him credit and uh, we like to give people credit here at holding the high line. Scott Burns, at Scott Burns 75, who's a sports writer for the, uh, the Scottish Express Sport, is reporting that Danny Wilson is very close to signing with Queen's Park, the Scottish championship team. They're currently second from bottom in this championship, so hopefully Danny is not about to go to a relegation candidate. Not to be confused with Queen's Park Rangers, English team based in London, uh, but Mark Danny Wilson potentially landing in the second division in Scotland, and then Sam Nicholson has already joined Motherwell, who are in the bottom third-ish of the Scottish Premier League. Uh, Mark, how happy are we that um, even though we were sad to see the two Scotsmen in the arena, for the Colorado Rapids leave that they're making their way back to 
the homeland, and they're going to be Scotland for the rest of their careers. It's great. I don't know if I get to, if there's any way to watch the Scottish Premier League. I remember when I was uh, visiting Israel the last time, um, they had Scottish Premier League football on on the mornings, which was kind of rad. But um, uh, yeah, I don't. I that's it's great to see them still playing. I'm excited to see their careers continue. I was just doing my preview of um, FC Dallas and learned that um, on a, on the Queens Park, although this is Queens Park Rangers, not Queens Park. Um, uh, Reggie Cannon is now playing for Queens Park Rangers, who are uh, trying to avoid the drop in the championship right now. So that was fun, and that's because the team that he was sold to in um, uh, Portugal, Boa Vista, never paid for him. They're still and, not paying him. Oh my and, god! Well, and they didn't pay him, so they they paid him, but they never paid him on time. Um, and so he, he voided his contract unilaterally. Um, and apparently the, um, uh, European court for sports arbitration has sided with him, which is why he could sign with Queens, Queens Park Rangers. So, um, yeah. So if you're a championship fan, keep a lookout for Reggie Cannon. He's there now. Um, this has nothing to do with what Matt was just saying. It's just the thing I learned this week. Yeah. So I think, I think Sam Nicholson has an opportunity to do a job and be a useful utility player. For Motherwell, Mark, I'm not going to pretend to be as familiar with the Scottish Championship outside of whichever Dundee club is winning automatic promotion from each year because it seems like they kind of yo-yo a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, but I do see Queen's Park is is ninth out of ten. So um, hopefully Danny Wilson will be part of them staying up, or at the very least, there's a there's a clause in his con there's a relegation clause in his contract because I do not want to see Danny Wilson in the third division of Scotland. Although getting to finally do that trip and just do all of the football games and all of the pubs. Mark would be super fun when they play the uh, the team that's out near Loch Ness, whose nicknames are the the Loch Ness Monsters. That would be a fun, like almost non-league away day for me to do. Um, and I'd be would I go in the press box for that, Mark, so that I can talk to Danny as well, or do I show the part of me that's maybe been less restrictive and everything? Do I show him the true colors that was the version of Matt that three beers in asked him at a Burgundy affair? whether or not he was a Loch Ness monster truther. Which version of Sam Nicholson and Danny Wilson would be more willing to talk to me when I see them in Scotland? Because I know both versions are going to talk to... Uh, Jack Price will talk to me no matter what. I think you go to the I think you go to the press box and then uh, after... And then you slip them... A, you, you, you slip them your, your number and say, text me and tell me where you're going drinking after the game and then you get plowed with them. That's the plan. That's, okay. that's the move, in my humble opinion. I don't so think you can I... do a little of both. I don't think I need to give them uh, cell phone number contact listeners. Uh, one or more of them might have my WhatsApp already. But in any case, nice. uh, Mark, let's talk about Matt, um, Matt Pollard, Rapids <laughs> legend. I don't know, but eh, pump the brakes. Pump the brakes on that more than you pump the brakes on the Darren Yappy hype train. Uh, Mark, earlier today, the Colorado Rapids announced that they have traded the college protected rights. Apparently, that's the new word for the drafted MLS player rights uh, for goalkeeper Oliver Simliu to Philadelphia Union in exchange for Philly's second-round pick, natural second-round pick in the 2025 MLS Super Draft. Uh, Rapids, you might remember this guy for a hot second. He came out of Marshall. The Rapids selected him in the second round. He was going to be an international. I don't remember whether or not he came to preseason at all, but in any case, he didn't stick around, didn't sign, and he spent 2023 as mostly the starter for US uh, for Louisville City in the usl championship uh mark and philly doing typical philadelphia union things of saying 
we don't care about draft picks because of our academy. Let's trade those draft picks for assets. And apparently they see some value in Oliver Simliu, possibly on Philadelphia Union 2. And the Rapids got a second round draft pick that they can pick another college kid who Chris Zitterbart has been scouting for the last three years and think would be a perfect fit at whatever position the Rapids are drafting at at that position. Um, Mark, do we care? Do you remember Oliver Simliu? Do you remember how to pronounce Simliu? No, I always thought it was Semily. I remember when he was drafted. I remember, um, you know, that he hung out in training uh, for a few. Uh, he hung around in training for like a couple extra weeks. But I, I don't really have any. It's great to get something for this, a second round draft pick. It's basically you're getting another draft pick for a guy who you drafted. Did he? Yeah, did we pick him in the second round or the third round? So I think he was. Basically, he was second round, Mark. So functionally, yeah, so we're basically. We're, we're just punting that, that draft pick down the road. That's yeah, all. you selected a guy in the second round who ultimately is not a part of your organization. I don't think Zach Steffen, Marco Ilicha, or Adam Bojer going anywhere to where there would even be a roster spot for him. I think pretty clearly you don't even see him. If he's good enough to start for Louisville City in the championship, he's probably better than often being a starter in MLS Next Pro as well. So... You've got a guy in the second round who you no longer have value for, but you have his MLS rights. Somebody else wanted him. Let's get something that we can then, you know, let the, yeah, let's amortize or um, let's punt the <clears throat> the second round pick down and then just roll the dice again. And who knows, maybe you come up with a Don Bocci mark. Maybe you come up with another Oliver Simliu who we don't even forget about and will also be a, uh, a Rapids pub trivia question, just like Kellen Rowe and Miguel Navarro in 10, 15 years. Um, last thing that I want to talk about, Mark, since there's been to our point on thinking this is it as far as major acquisitions and then what's left to happen with the roster, given we think there's a possibility the Rapids have all 30 uh, first team spots taken. I do think, Mark, there's a valid question of whether or not we see any departures. Um, I think pretty clearly, Rabbi, the fact that there's no news on the Jonathan Lewis front, despite what I reported going back to what uh, November, early December of last year, I think pretty clearly shows that there's probably not an MLS market for Jonathan Lewis, or at least not at would be nobody's offering what the Rapids would want for him. So now we've just kind of got the awkward, let's get together and try and make the relationship work because we're under contract. And who knows, maybe there's a player in there left to be had that Chris Armis thinks certainly is there. There was the uh, link that supposedly a, Turkish second division club, I think, was interested in Lalas Abubakar, but that hasn't gone anywhere in a week, 10 days, Mark, and that's not a good, that suggests to me that that rumor, that that rumor, that link has died down, that that is not something that is ongoing um, right now. I do think it's interesting, Rabbi, that we have not seen a whole lot of Sidney Tavares on the lineups in the first two preseason games that we've seen and I do have to wonder with all the moves that the Rapids made in midfield I I don't know Rabbi from the Jordi Mihailovic signing that there's anybody who when we when they were doing the uh, mock lineups you know DNVR was putting it out I think you put out one as well Rabbi Warners a bunch of people in the Rapids community saw the Jordi Mihailovic and the Jasper Loffelson and the other signings and said okay let's do a a projected lineup and very few I don't think any of them had Sidney Tavares in there. And if he's a guy on loan with an option to buy, and that's right around a million dollars, then, and he's taking up an international roster slot, and he's taking up a U22 slot, this is a guy who needs to be on the field. And the fact that we haven't seen as much of him 
maybe thinks he pretty clearly sees that he's not going to be on the field. Is there somebody else in MLS since it's an MLS loan that could want him? Or should the Rapids just whatever paperwork thing that needs to happen for him to go back to Porto and figure out what could happen with whatever European leagues still have the window open in early February, I think is I think is a valid question mark. But I increasingly if I had to guess right now, given that we speculated on potential departures and Jonathan Lewis and Lawless Abubakar and Abubakar Keita being out there. Oh, I forgot about Buba as well, Mark, who if you saw from the press release with the preseason roster that he was training on loan, or not on loan, uh, he was training with a Austrian Bundesliga team who are fourth. I believe it is Hartberg. I don't know. TSV Hartberg. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly so um mark i i have to think if, if i had to guess right now of these names that we've bandied about um i think Tavares and abuba karkate are the two most likely to depart if i had to bet do we see between miguel navarro uh sydney Tavares, and abuba karkate i would bet that no more than one of those plays a game for the rapids this year or early next season and whether whatever's going on with Hartberg, um, whether or not that opportunity is there, Mark. I, I think Boob is going to explore options to leave the club until none of them are available. And if it's not there, I'd have to assume at the very least, like him training with them is an indication to some of the other backwaters of Europe. Maybe not the Belgian first division, but could he get a second division team in um, in Italy? Could he get um, the uh, um, EFL League One. Could he go somewhere in the Balkans, for example? Could he go somewhere in Scandinavia? I, like those are those are parallels, Mark. I'm thinking right. of the Austrian Bundesliga outside of the and, big three teams that just sell players to Germany. And I think the interesting thing about uh, soccer players and their lack of ability to play on the team that they're currently located is you've got two options, right? Option one is that you push the team to try and make a deal for you that makes sense for the team. So they can retain some assets. But of course, um, most teams don't want an unhappy player hanging around and will uh, create a you know mutual determination if they need to. That actually seems to be more dependent on your agent finding a soft landing space for you somewhere else. And, um, you know, I think with a lot of these um, uh, kind of back end of the roster MLS players, like Jonathan Lewis, like Sidney Tavares, like uh, Abubakar Keita, less so Lalas Abubakar probably. Um, it it's hard to tell whether their agents have their you know have them in mind and how much focus is on them. Um, I'm not picking on those guys' agents individually. I don't know their situations, but um, you know when you when you go to your agent, you say, "I don't want to be with this team anymore. Find something for me." It's a big job, you know, that that means that you get the agency to send out tape to all sorts of teams. You're trying to find the right level. You're also trying to find who needs a soft landing space. You know, the European transfer window um, begins closing tomorrow, uh, mm-hmm. February 1st. There's plenty um, of at time of recording, Mark. There's plenty of countries that have already we are we're past we're yeah. past midnight on February 1st in on the European continent. So there's plenty that yeah. were already closed before we hit recording. And there's some and there's some that have it as like February 7th and there's other places where, you know, like uh, it'll be a little while. But, yeah, they're you're talking about a lot of a lot of players who, um, you know, if they were going to move, they they needed to already move. Um, And, you know, unfortunately, one of the bummers about the American pyramid is there's a big pay gap between division, the first division and the second division. And very few 
players want to drop to the USL level if they're, um, uh, you know, older players have made their money and they don't feel the need to drop down a level unless they really want to keep playing. Um, younger players feel like it's career suicide, like they'll never get back. Now, that being said, um, the MLS Next Pro um, Golden Boot winner last year just signed with Charleston Battery. And I think that, that was probably a move just for both money and for an opportunity for a top level pro deal because he just didn't think that the path was there in Next Pro. Uh, not the Golden Boot winner, Mark, because it was Remy Cabral who won it with the tiebreaker. There were other players in Next Pro who scored nine, who scored 19 goals in that regular season last year. So I'm assuming that's who you're referring to. But yeah. Um, I will look it up, but uh, I think I think worst I, I case. I will stand. I will stand partially corrected, but I will I will only stand partially corrected. Yeah, I so refuse I, to concede the high ground. Okay, I think uh, I think Booba clearly. Uh, I think it, it's pretty clear that Booba wants out. Mark, it's frustrating. It's disappointing for me because he was. I I enjoyed my interactions with him, even though I didn't have a whole lot of formal media interviews with him and from the training sessions that I saw of him there were plenty of times in which in drills he was as good or better than Michael Edwards and then better than some of the first team players who were out of form at times last year it's just disappointing but obviously you know he comes here he gets an injury and then he's just now coming back and I think pretty clearly he sees the club have a bunch of other really good young center backs and I think it's a valid question how many of them no I don't know that any more than one of Mike Edwards, Daniel Chacon, Nate Jones are getting serious first team minutes this year, given Lalsa Bukar's a veteran, Andreas Maxo is clearly going to be a starter, and Moise Bombito is the best of those young center backs as well. So I think Boob is going to explore all options that he has in Europe, and I think worst case scenario, Rabbi, he comes back on a flight to, to Denver International with his tail between his legs, and then he looks for an opportunity to go out on loan on the USL. And then, you know, maybe it'll be a, a quiet press release to where he transfers, maybe on a free transfer somewhere in the summer or later after the Rapids don't pick up his option. Um, so uh, let's do some predictions here, Rabbi. I'm going to say Lawless Bubakar and Jonathan Lewis start the season with the Rapids. They will still be Rapids players on February 24th. I will say Sidney Tavares and Abubakar Keita will, um, they might be contracted Rapids players. They will be not be with the team. I would say, I would say those two do not play with the Rapids this season as of uh, the start of the MLS year. Um, any disagreements, Rabbi? I think I think uh, Abubakar Keita will not play for the Rapids this year, and I think the other three will. That's my take. Okay. Um, Mark, let's move on to League's Cup. The League's Cup draw was announced with a bunch of press releases and social media posts earlier today, and the big one that we found out, Rabbi, is that the Colorado Rapids are drawn in a group with Portland Timbers and Club Leon, uh, Mexican uh, Liga Mekis team, who also wear green. And for those of you who are new to the Colorado Rapids, that is the Liga MX club that Marcelo Bobo played with for two seasons prior to the start of Major League Soccer. So 1994 to 1995, Marcelo Bobo got his contract, his opportunity with Leon off of how he played at the 2020, 2024, at the 1994 World Cup with the United States men's national team and then came back to start the Colorado Rapids as well. So Marcelo Balboa Derby, Marcelo Balboa Clasico, Mark, Portland Timbers, a club that the Rapids are going to be familiar with from the home opener. Uh, that is going to be a road game. So they're at Portland and then hosting Club Leon back at DSG in August for the group stage of League's Cup. But Mark, on the list of Western Conference, you know, 
the RSLs, the LA teams, uh, maybe one of the, probably not one of the Texas teams. Like the, if you were going to draw one of those teams, like it wasn't Seattle, it wasn't Vancouver who have Ryan Galt. It is a Portland Timbers team who are probably losing a Vander, who have a bunch of new players, have a new head coach who maybe ha- will not have figured things out. And there's a lot of time between now and August for Diego Chira to pick up a hamstring injury or yellow card accumulation. That is a beatable team, Mark, or at least certainly much more beatable than that Nashville side was. And I haven't looked to see how uh, Club Leon is doing in the Clausura. I don't know if they're going to be good. I don't know if they're going to be stacked and absolutely destroy the Rapids like Toluca did last August, Mark. But like Marcelo Bobo is going to be there. It's going to be a celebration of him. And I think it's so fantastic that such a prominent player you know, uh, with, um, you know, with Hispanic roots playing in Mexico, U.S. international, World Cup veteran, Rapids legend, generally well liked by for, for Americans who played for Club Leon, like the Marcelo Bobo was liked. Obviously, William Yarbrough is no longer with the team. Club Leon was also one of his clubs when he played in Mexico. I just think that's going to be a fun night. And um, I hope Marcelo Bobo is on the broadcast or just able to be there and just be celebrated by both fan bases. And if the Rapids get walloped, at the very least, Mark, we get to have, like, that is that that is Marcella Balboa Day when that game takes place. Mark, uh, what do you make of that? What do you make of the draw? Are the Rapids getting out of the group? Uh, Leon uh, are uh, mid, mid-tier right now uh, in, the, in, the, in Liga MX East. They finished um, eighth in the Apertura, which is the opening, you know, the, the fall tournament of the, of the league. Um, and then in the Clausura, they're kind of in the middle right now, but they're only four games in. So, um, that's, that's Leon. Uh, my take on Portland is like the same as it's been for the last two years, which is they shed a bunch of players. They haven't added a lot of players and they're relying on a lot of older players to kind of carry them through. Um, I already did. If you've read your holding the Highline Substack, I did a preview, uh, looking at what Portland was up to and I kind of, uh, basically said, you know, um, it's not great. Uh, it's not solid. So can they get out of that group? Um, you know, it, it, it's possible. I think it's, it, we match up pretty good. It's really hard to predict something that far away. Um, you know, those games don't drop till the end of July. Uh, and so knowing how healthy the team is and whether they're going to be adding any players at the midseason adjustment and what what other teams are going to be adding and subtracting players at the midseason adjustment is a good question remember that a year ago today we didn't know that Lionel Messi was going to be playing in the league's cup and he did you know like that was that was where it came you know the the rumor mill was going in January of 2023 but it hadn't quite gotten to the point where it was an imminent signing and then it happened uh so a lot of things are going to change between now and then. That being said, I'm pretty bullish on the Rapids actually making it out of the first round of the League's Cup for the first time ever. Yeah, um, I think they can get a result at Portland, or at least I think that Portland team is beatable, Mark. You know, if you had to pick, if I had to pick a team west of Colorado that the Rapids are going to go play at, like, you know, we're talking TBD on where the LA Galaxy are because Greg Vanny could be fired by you know, if they lose the first three games of the season. But then I think San Jose, I wouldn't, I, I pick Portland over the other two um, Cascadia teams. I pick Portland over RSL, even with the changes that they've had. I, I do not want the Rapids having to have a must-win game against, uh, at RSL for 
uh, a group stage league cup match and then certainly wouldn't put LAFC or any of the I wouldn't want to play any of the the Texas teams on the road in league cup either even with Austin being as bad as they were last season so Portland was a favorable draw and you know for getting a for getting a Mexican team mark that wasn't one of the gigantes one of the two Monterrey clubs or Club America was certainly beneficial so you got a mid-table one but a mid-table one that's fun where's green which obviously you know like I like Rapids green where Rapids green to that game listeners let's just make let's make deep let's green out let's Verde out Dick Sporting Goods Park as far as I'm concerned and even if the Rapids get walloped Mark to see to have that night to be a platform to celebrate Marcelo Balboa it's just going to be chef's kiss Rabbi let's get to some ask HTHLs Mark you would have seen that we think uh EAFC um, accidentally leaked all of the new uh, primary kits for MLS, and the Rapids one kind of has this wavy checkerboard flag kind of a thing going on. So off of that, Rabbi, uh, Dustin asks on Twitter, you've probably discussed this before, but ahead of this year's home jersey release, what's your favorite kids kit of all time? Hashtag AskHCHL. Dustin, I'm partial to, you know, the early 90s, the OG kit, or at least my favorite one is probably the one that kind of has the diagonal green and black on the mostly white background that has the rapids like, um, uh, like river wave look that you have kind of similar to the to the wave that you have that's the cross in the a in the colorado avalanche logo um all of the old school 90s stuff for mls just brings out so much nostalgia for me i loved the branding it was fun it was playful it was unique from a color palette standpoint in mls i understand that jersey technology and design and the way that they lay it out that has changed and you know, we now have uh, shirt sponsors who pay a lot of money instead of just this big uh, Rapids, uh, you know, club soccer logo that is maybe different from what you would have as a crest, given the form factor on the front of the shirt. And if I had to pick something a little bit more modern, certainly I've liked the all burgundy or the I guess this would have been the Anthony Hudson primary kit era um, where you had the burgundy shirt with the uh, blue socks and then um, the um, and then the fun or excuse me, the blue shorts and then the fun socks. So that's if we're talking about the kid as a whole, if we're talking about just the jersey, I'm going with the um, the the cello era 90s green. And then um, the other one that I would put out would be the the two secondary kits that they had that were inspired by the Colorado flag, the yellow and the blue ones. They do not work for me because of my color theory and being a ginger at all. But just that yellow one, you knew exactly what it was. Everybody thought it was ugly, but it was, we are Colorado, we are leaning into this color, and it was fun, and it was different, um, and especially the the blue one that had all of the season ticket holder names on it in the middle of the, the Colorado Sea, I thought was really good. Rabbi, favorite Rapids kit? Oh, uh, for me, my favorite Bat Rapids kit for sure is the yellow one, which I think is from um, 2015. Might Sounds have been right. 2016. Is it 2015 or 2016? Um, and I'm actually trying to find it right now. Um, but yeah, that's that's my all-time favorite without any question. Um, yeah, I mean that that's a favorite. Uh, honestly, the the fairly simple, like I think it was the 2014 or 2013 burgundy with white sleeves, was also my favorite burgundy of the of the burgundy ones. Which is kind of lame to say that I have a favorite burgundy one, but it seems like you should have a favorite burgundy one, you know? Um, it just makes sense that uh, you should have that kind of, like, uh, look. Um, you know, for me, like, uh, I have a Marlon Hairston 
uh, of the yellows, and it it's just such a cool kit. And apparently, uh, that kit came out of the Rapids trunk sale, so it's um it's a leftover. So I know that it it actually um possibly was at some point in the possession of Marlon Hairston. The only downside is Marlon is a, a medium and I'm a large, so it doesn't really fit me, which is kind of a bummer. So um, I'm just confirming. Yeah, it's the 2015-2016 Colorado flag yellow secondary kit. So, um, And my favorite of the primaries is the 2013, which has the cool um, Adidas stripes on the shoulders and the old school MLS um, logo on it with the foot and the ball being kicked. Um, so that's, that's my stuff. That's my jam, baby. Mark, I need to, I need to DM Michael Azira on Instagram because he sent you a lot of swag, <laughs> certainly, but I haven't gotten anything. So I'll, I'll take just one. Socks. He just okay. gave me, he just gave me the one signed kit, but that is my favorite kit. Okay. I'll, I'll take one. I'll, I'll take something from New Mexico United. I will take the, oh. was it Charleston University? What was the, what was the school he went to where he scored the winning goal in the second division national championship? Lipscomb? Lipscomb, no. that's Maybe? Uh, that sounds right. I'm not. I have sure. to look up my own article that I wrote about him. <laughs> uh, I do want to point out we got really good Ask HDHLs from Bray and Jason Maxwell, but we covered those in topics that we addressed earlier in the show. So we'll pivot over to Jody Robbins, who asks, uh, "What's the deal with Bombito? Fans are overly, and he has overly in parentheses, uh, excited about him. Fun player, but was frankly bad at defending." When playing at center back last season, he can, in all caps, coach uh, his Canadian uh, can't. OK, so he's saying his Canadian men's national team coach said he's better as a six. Do people at the club envision him starting at center back this season? Seems like a risky bet to me. Jody, I should point out that was the now former head coach at Canada, whose name I can't remember, but I'm remembering that John face. Herdman, John Herdman, who's now with Toronto FC. I know and the main, stuff. And the main reason was that they thought he had the skill set to play the number six in a center backy kind of way. And he was the player with the most upside left in the pool in order to fill at that position. They were good at depth wise for that competition with that roster at center back, Jody. And I, I should say, someone at the club gave me a really funny, uh, told me a really funny story where that was brought up in like international team circles. And then at one point, uh, Moise's representation reached out to somebody at the club and basically said like WTF, he's a center back. So um, good on uh, Moise Bombito for saying my country needs me. If you want me to play at a position that's not center back, I am willing to do so. I can tell you the Colorado Rapids see him as a center back. I've not heard in the Chris Armas era, them seeing that he is a viable fullback position. We saw Robin Frazier dabble with that at times where it was necessary or in the back three being the right more mobile upwardly mobile center back Tommy Smith did that a little bit under um under Anthony Hudson we saw Lawless Bubakar and Austin Trusty depending on the situation do that a little bit under Robin Frazier Chris Armas is going to be playing in a back four I'm expecting Moise Bombito to start next to Andreas Maxo um Jody I will say that some of his bad moments that we saw last year I think that BS red card on the second yellow card he got at home against San Jose tanked his confidence a little bit and he was just absolutely wrecked by what happened against Toluca especially in stoppage time even after the result was already decided and I will say that he's rebounded since then I thought he played really well under Chris Little those final seven games of the 
regular season. And so I do wonder if some of the if the the bad that we've seen from him is bad, but it's two or three moments that I think are negatively that we are negative that we are inflating those three really negative moments over what was overall a very good progression for him in his first year professionally and what was gradually a very good improvement in him growing into being a very good professional soccer player in training and then now as a player getting regular minutes to where I think we will see the fruits of that labor at the forefront from the start of this season and those few few really bad moments that we've seen from him were the learning process for him getting to where he's going to be. I have spoken to someone in the organization who said that they believe that his ceiling is as good or better than Austin Trusty. And if Moise Bambito three years from now is starting for, albeit relegation fodder in the premiership and the Rapids get a nice check that isn't money laundering through Arsenal or bookkeeping in order to help them from an FFP standpoint at the expense of the Rapids, then I think that will be for the better. Uh, Mark, anything you want to say about Bombito, or shall I give you our last Ask HTHL of the evening? Really briefly, I think you covered it really well. I would just add that um, uh, sample size is small, experience is limited, player needs a little bit more experience at the MLS level to understand how to make the difficult decision between um, going to ground um, kind of the emergency tackle and staying on their on his feet for the the final play. It's it's really tricky, and experience matters. You know, knowing how to play a guy who you've played against a dozen times, right? Like, um, really, really matters. Um, uh, you know, guys in in the NBA like Bill Lambeer and and uh, uh, Dennis Rodman. You know, they got to know each other's tricks because they played against each other in the Eastern Conference many, many times. Uh, the same applies for defenders in Major League Soccer. You've got to watch Sebastian Giovinco bearing down on you. You've got to watch, um, you know, uh, uh, Sebastian Legette bearing down on you. All the Sebastians, right? Like you've got to, you've got to really have that experience of like this guy likes to go to his left. This guy likes a Cruyff turn in the final third, right? Like a lot of different things like that uh, come into play. And until you get that experience. Uh, you will be like a baby giraffe on roller skates, and that's just how it's going to be. I am very forgiving of rookie defenders. I really think we need to kind of understand that they're all going to be a little bit shaky, and I don't think anybody's going to be a great defender um, in their first year in MLS. So, by the way, in in my previews, um, I've been uh, thinking a lot about how to evaluate defenders using um, different metrics than I've used in the past. So. Um, we shall see how that plays out with the Rapids uh, this year and whether we have easier ways of knowing whether they were good or not. It's harder to do with individual players. It's easy to say an individual player looks bad, um, and it's easy to say, and the team conceded a lot of goals. It's harder to say the team didn't concede a lot of goals, and this one player is the main reason why. The eye test matters in that case more than anything else. So. A lot of things going on with defenders. Uh, the homies over at DNVR, Mark, put out a the really homies. good graphic um, about Mount Rapids. So Mount Rushmore or whatever it is that we're calling it now of the Rapids Mount Rushmore. And so on their Mount Rushmore, they had uh, from left to right, Marcelo Baboa, Drew Moore, Pablo Mastorini, and Connor Casey. And I know, Mark, I think we touched on this briefly. I don't know if we formally did it as a Mount Rushmore. I'm pretty sure we did during lockdown. 
in 2020, and we've done Rapids best 11. We've done a draft. We've done a who are the mm-hmm. best Rapids at every single position, who are the most legendary Rapids players. I don't think there's any question for me, Mark, the first two names on that list. And you could argue based on uh, you could argue based on Marcelo being the first one and Marcelo being more relevant from the national team standpoint. But the, the first two on any Rapids fans list has to be Marcelo Baboa, Pablo Mastrain. I think the order is debatable. Both of them were captain. Pablo was with the club longer. Marcelo was the first player. Marcelo was more prominent on the national team. Pablo Mastroeni won an MLS Cup, the only major trophy in club history. Pablo Mastroeni is now coaching for the arch nemesis Real Salt Lake in, uh, you know, the opponent from uh, for the Rocky Mountain Cup derby as well. So there's a duality in there. I could be convinced either way about those. But I think those are the first two on the list. If a Rapids fan does not have those two one and two in either order, I have to question your uh, parameters that you're looking for for Rapids Mount Rushmore. And then I think you could make an argument then between Drew Moore and Connor Casey. I think there's a bunch of secondary ones, Mark. So if Mount Rushmore actually had uh, 10 people on it instead of just the four, or maybe five if we're accounting Chief Crazy Horse or whichever one of the uh, Native Sioux um, uh, um, uh, uh, chiefs is uh, is part of the Mount Rushmore um, uh, exhibit that they have, Mount Rushmore National Park that they have. So I think if, if there were 10 on here, Mark, I think it would be interesting because then I think you would say absolutely Omar Cummings is on there. Chris Henderson is on there. If there's anybody else from the MLS 1.0 era, you're talking about Chris Henderson um, other than Marcelo Balboa. And then I think you also get into an interesting question about the best Rapids goalkeepers of all time, Mark, because we'll fondly remember Buna Kundal. Joe Cannon was a good goalkeeper on bad teams. You've got Matt Pickens, who is on the MLS team. You have William Yarbrough, who has a number of the key significant goalkeeper statistics. I think there's a there's four or five very level. You could have an argument over the top five Rapids goalkeepers. And I haven't even mentioned Tim Howard, who obviously was a legendary player outside of the Rapids, but statistically you know, diminished with the Rapids going on from after that 2016 season. So I think there's I think there's minor shouts mark for other players in there. I do think Jack Price would be in that conversation, albeit towards the bottom. I don't think he would be above. I think he'd be above Sam Cronin. I I think it'd be a good conversation as to whether or not he would be higher than Jeff Lorenowitz in that hierarchy. But I think pretty clearly, I don't know that there's an obvious fifth guy that you put on there. I think there's a small argument for Chris Henderson. I think there's maybe a small argument for Omar Cummings. You know, if you're going to have Connor on there, you have to have his partner in crime, really. I don't know that there's any, from a playing standpoint, any player in the time that we have covered the club who you would put on there as of right now. I think if Keegan Rosenberry plays another three or four more years and accumulates a bunch of stats as a defender, for the Rapids, and he does a really good job as captain. I think he could be in there. Mark, I think the only two, the only two current Rapids who I think could unseed a Drew Moore or a Connor Casey, it would have to be Sam Vines or Cole Bassett. I don't think there's any other current or former Rapids that we have covered on the team going back to 2015 who are getting on there. And I agree with the list that DNVR put out. Um, yeah, I, I don't really have anything to add. Um, I think your your call on goalkeepers is a good one. Matt Pickens is way up there for me. Um, uh, I think uh, trying to figure out what to do with Tim Howard up there is a good question. A name you didn't mention who's interesting to kind of just toss out is Paul Bravo. 
Um, Bravo was a good shout. Solid player who did a lot of things for the team and I believe is second on the all-time list for goals. And interestingly enough, if you look at games played, um, Keegan Rosenberry is moving up that list pretty quickly at like, I think, 130, which is really impressive. Um, so if he actually is a kind of put him in ink right back starter for the Colorado Rapids and pay, plays north of 2,500 minutes this year, I think you have to start thinking about um, what that means. Now, the challenge of any player for the Gallery of Honor is you have to have played a lot of games for the Rapids, you have to have been good, and the team probably had to have success while you were on the team. Um, those three things are really hard to come by. I mean, Marcelo Balboa never won the MLS Cup um, with the Rapids, so um, so that's tough. You get a guy like um, you know a legend like Tim Howard or Carlos Valderrama who both played for the Rapids when, you know, 2016 Colorado Rapids were pretty good, but 2017, 2018 Tim Howard weren't very good. And Carlos Valderrama, I think, played for the Rapids in like 2000, 2001, and they weren't any good that year. And Valderrama wasn't any good that year, and he basically retired 15 minutes afterwards. So I think he played, he moved on to one other team afterwards and was done. So, um, you know, you get other guys who kind of breeze through and won't be remembered as Colorado Rapids. Uh, Jeff Lorenowicz, uh, an amazing player, but his best years were spent elsewhere. Kyle Beckerman, who had a lot of good years with the Colorado Rapids, although Rapids fans don't remember him very well because he was kind of king of the rash challenge um, and had his best years at RSL. So you get guys like that, and and that's, I think, kind of the story. Um, uh, but I, I do like uh, Omar Cummings as, as an answer to that, too, because um, good goal scorer, good guy. Um, he's, he's He should be in that list. Um, uh, as well, so uh, I looked up Mark. Uh, the club's done a really good job of putting some of their history stuff on the club website, regardless of whether or not you agree with certain of their decisions. So if we just roll down, they did this a few years ago, I believe. But their all-time best eleven that they put out. This might have been to a fan vote. They had Connor Casey up top. They had a front three of Chris Henderson, Carlos Valderrama, uh, Terry Cook. Are they picking Valderrama because of historically and culturally what he meant, rather than his actual production with the Rapids? Uh, in the double pivot, you had Jeff Lorenowitz and Pablo Mastorini at the time, no disagreement. And then you had a back four. Interesting things going on here from a left back position. They have Drew Moore at left back, Robin Frazier huh. and Balboa at the center back, and then Kosuke Kimura at right back, and then Tim Howard in goal. Uh, like you said, Mark, I think there's a valid question of do you go with legacy or what they actually did with the Rapids in goalkeeper position. Um, and then with all due respect to Drew, who at times was a left back, I think when it's all said and done, unless he goes back to Europe, like in the next 18 months, I think Sam Bynes probably unseats Drew more on that. And if we're talking about Mark, where the Mount Rushmore is capped at four, and then the prerequisite for that has to be being in the gallery of honor. So Marcella Baboa, you already said some nice things about Paul Bravo. We talked about Chris Henderson, John Spencer's the one that we haven't mentioned, Mark, you know, who scored, um, what he had 37 goals at the time. And I think was statistically, he was significant for his era, 2001, 2004 with the Rapids, uh, multiple best 11s in MLS. It's nothing to snuff at. And then the other inductees, Pablo, Mastroeni, Connor Casey, Drew Moore as well. I don't think, I think John Spencer for me, Mark, if I had to pick who's the lowest of the um, gallery of honor inductees, it's probably him. Uh, and then we've already mentioned all the other ones as well. And then if you just go down the list of, uh, if we just go with games started, Mark, uh, this is from top to bottom. So Mastroeni, Moore, Henderson, Balboa, Marvell Wynn, 
Keegan Rosenberry, Kyle Beckerman, Paul Bravo, Matt Pickens, and then Dylan Powers. I forgot about Dylan Powers. And then it's pretty similar overlap in terms of like minutes played, um, games played, all those things as well. So um, I think we're right, Mark, that Keegan Rosenberry, depending on, I think his legacy ultimately will be defined on whether or not he does something with the Rapids as captain. I could see if you told me right now with his current contract, uh, is there an argument that Keegan Rosenberry is the best right back in club history over Kosuke Kimura? The only argument, the 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 tying factor, the deciding factor for me would be Kosuke won silverware and Keegan so far has not. And I think I agree with you, Mark. If, if Sam Vines and Cole Bassett um, play out their four-year contracts with the Rapids, that they will be so statistically significant on these lists that they would have to be next on that list as well. Oh, hey, here's... Uh, where did I see Mark Chung? Mark Chung and Don Baji are here under the number of goals scored. Uh, Don Baji had, is that 103? No, uh, uh, 29 goals scored in 103 games played. And then Mark Chung had 26 in 84 as well. So I think that's it. Um, listeners, let us know who your Mount Rushmore is if you disagree with us and with DNVR. And let us know who you think potentially could be the next uh, hall, Gallery of Honor inductee for the Rapids or the next Mount Rushmore member if it is not one of Keegan Rosenberry, Sam Vines, or Cole Bassett. Who knows? Maybe in 20 years we'll be talking about Adam Beaudry, Mark, when he's starting for the Rapids and winning goalkeeper of the year and leading the U.S. men's national team as Greg Berhalter is still the head coach of the club in 2034. Listeners, we'll get out of here. You can follow us on Twitter at soccer underscore rabbi at LWS Matt Pollard and at Rapids 96 podcast. Check out our Substack, holdingthehighline.substack.com. We're on Twitter. We're on Blue Sky. We are on Facebook now. So like us on Facebook, uh, rate, review, share, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and we will see you next time. If there's news, we'll have news um, next week. And if there's not a whole lot or that friendly, the last friendly the Rapids have, in Mexico is not super interesting. We might have some fun evergreen content for you next week. But in any case, we'll see you then. Peace. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.